Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming. So my name is Gaurav. Uh, I'm a cloud architect at Hotstar. And uh, today I'm going to talk about an interesting story, how we scaled for more than 25 million users, uh, concurrent viewers on our platform during the recent uh, ICC World Cup. And in my personal time, I also lead the AWS user group Mumbai, and I'm AWS community hero from India. Before we begin, quick show of hands, how many of you follow cricket or understand the game? That's cool. And uh, anyone from New Zealand? Cool. So a bit about Hotstar. We are the number one OTT in India. Uh, we do live streaming, watch streaming. We have sports, TV shows, news. And uh, today I'm going to talk about the third point that is one day, 100, more than 100 million unique users. So this was during the uh, recent ICC World Cup, wherein we had a game between India and New Zealand. Uh, on that day, our platform had more than 100 million, million unique users. And at a given point, we clocked almost 25.3 million, which is a global record for concurrency for any kind of live streaming. The graph that you're looking at is the actual traffic pattern from that match. Uh, the game was spread across two days. So usually it's a one-day international. Uh, so it's played for 50 hours uh, each side and usually gets completed in a day. But this was a rain-affected match. So what happened was uh, the match was postponed to the second day. That is why you see day one and day two. So New Zealand uh, was batting first. And uh, the interesting thing to see here is the ramp-up. The initial ramp-up that you see uh, when the match started, it's almost like uh, 800k to 1 million users per minute. So that is the rate at which users were getting onboarded on the platform. And uh, then the graph that you see during the New Zealand batting, you see the concurrency is almost about 10 million for most of the time. So this shows how resilient the platform is. It's not like one of the event wherein you have the concurrency of the platform going up for one or two minutes, but uh, it's for a stretch duration. It's almost like four hours, six hours. Uh, we were operating at about 10 million. And the 13.9 million number you see is the peak uh, before it started raining. So we were at 13.9 million. Uh, New Zealand was batting. And uh, uh, that's when rain started. And then we saw drop. The interesting thing here is, uh, so even when it was raining, right? Uh, there was no cricket being played. It was just highlights and some commentators talking about uh, the game. But still around four to five million people were stuck to the screen waiting for a game to begin. Uh, and this is like one of the kind of event that we have seen wherein uh, there is no cricket being played. But still uh, the viewers were like so glued to their screens. They were waiting for rain to stop and the match to begin uh, that they were like four to five million people almost for four or five hours waiting for game to start. When finally uh, the match was called off for the day, it got spilled over to the next day. So the initial spike on day two that you see is few overs that New Zealand had left. They came down to bat. I think it was just for four overs. And uh, after that, 
India came on to bat. The second inning started. The spikes that you see, the sudden ramp up and the dip, is what can kill most of the platform. Uh, we are talking about adding 1, 1.2 million users uh, every minute. So you can see how quick the spike goes up and comes down. The interesting thing about the downward spike or the drop is uh, it is scary. Uh, you will say that, okay, only traffic coming to your platform is scary, but even a sudden drop of this scale uh, can kill your backend or uh, uh, your applications. And then India continued playing, and uh, there were regular wickets uh, in the match. Uh, then, like everyone lost hope that okay, India will not win, and we saw some traffic going away. Uh, another thing I missed showing was the sudden dips that you see in between both the innings. Uh, if you are a cricket follower, those are strategic timeouts in IPL and drinks break in cricket, which usually happens in the 16th or the 32nd over. Uh, then, after the regular like wickets were falling, what happened was uh, Dhoni and I think uh, Jadeja. These pe people picked up the game and started playing really well, and that's wherein like all the viewers started thinking that okay, now India might win this game, and this is like one of the kind of spike we have seen in our platform wherein we were adding uh, more than 1.3, 1.4 million users every minute. So within a short span of, you can say 10 to 12 minutes, our concurrency went from 13 million to 25 million. And that's like a global record, 25.3 is the peak. Uh, when the traffic was at 25.3, uh, at that moment, Dhoni got out. And that's wherein all the viewers like lost their hopes because they knew, okay, now India cannot win. And unfortunately, like uh, for Indians, New Zealand won that day. So we were also going through this phase of mixed feelings wherein uh, you, uh, you have created a global record, right? You have uh, done something that no one else has done in the world, like streaming concurrently for 25 million users. But at the same time, your country lost the game. So you also have to cope with that. You cannot celebrate uh, that, okay, you have made a world record. All right, let's talk about scale. So we spoke about the India-New Zealand game, more than 25 million users. On an average, we do 1 million requests per second. And uh, we consume more than 10 terabytes of uh, bandwidth when we stream video. Uh, to give a perspective into this number, this is almost 70-75% of India's internet bandwidth available. And when we do high concurrency matches like this, we almost consume 70% of the internet bandwidth. And uh, people will ask me, like, why is 25.3 million a big number? So this will add some insight into it. So before we like created the global streaming record for concurrency, uh, the biggest player in the market was YouTube. Uh, it was in 2012 when uh, YouTube created a global streaming record. Uh, there was a Red Bull event, Space Jump, when uh, 8 million people were watching that live. Between 2012 to 2018, uh, there were many events. There was Royal Wedding, there was uh, Donald Trump inauguration, which I think was around 4.3, 4.7 million. 
there is Super Bowl, which usually clocks around 3 million. But none could break the record that YouTube had set until IPL 2018 happened. And that time, we created a record of 10.3 million. This year, during IPL, our peak concurrency was 18.6 during the final between Mumbai and Chennai. And then in World Cup, we broke our own record and uh, reached 25.3 million. So if you look at the closest competitor, it's almost like 3x of uh, what they have. So how do we prepare the platform to scale so much? And what's the engineering effort that goes behind this? So we conduct a lot of game days. And these game days are like very massive scale. Uh, we use C59X large machines. Uh, this has like 36 CPUs and 72 GB of RAM. To generate the load uh, for 40 million, 50 million concurrent users, we use upward of 3,000 machines, C59X large, which has a total of like 108K CPUs, 216 terabytes of RAM. And this load tests are so massive. Uh, it often happens that uh, our CDN partners or the cloud vendor that we work with, uh, often, because in a public cloud, your network is shared among all the customer. So what happens if you, if you load test a bit more than what it can handle, you can even impact other customers. So being mindful of that, uh, we started seeing a lot of issues when we were doing load testing. Uh, then we moved to a strategy wherein we geo-distributed our load. So instead of generating load from a single region, we generate it from eight regions to, uh, to avoid uh, an edge location or uh, any availability or network disruption for other customers. And during this load test, we generate around 200 Gbps of network out. Uh, so that is very huge. And in the past, it has happened that during our load testing, we have overwhelmed the edge location or pop location from where our traffic was flowing, that it has caused an outage as well. Apart from that, we have an in-house project called Hull, uh, which is an two-go solution for all load testing things. It's a homegrown tool. There are Scala scripts, Python scripts, which generate this load. Uh, it also performs uh, chaos engineering, performance uh, testing, then tsunami testing. and uh, the concurrency graph that you saw in the first slide, uh, the data from those matches or similar matches can be fed into this tool like the Project Hulk, and it can mimic the traffic pattern of any match. So let's say I want to replay the India-New Zealand game when we saw there were like sudden spikes and sudden dips. Uh, I can feed that data into this tool, and it can mimic the same kind of traffic pattern at whatever concurrency I want. So if I want to load test for, let's say, 50 million or 60 million, we can do that using this. This is what the load generation infrastructure look like. Uh, very simple, nothing fancy. Load generation grids, all C59X large spread across multiple regions, goes over your internet or CDN. Uh, then you have load balancers, auto-scaling, and PC2 instance. We uh, use containers as well, uh, self-hosted uh, K8S cluster. Uh, the other thing about this uh, diagram, the load balancer piece, 
uh, our traffic and the requirement of like per application, the number of TPS, RPS it should support is so huge, it doesn't fit in a single load balancer. So usually we use five to 10 load balancers, uh, pre-warmed at their maximum limit, and then we use either weighted routing, we shard the load balancer basically uh, to handle the scale. A uh, single load balancer cannot like handle the traffic requirements that we have. And another thing I miss pointing out uh, uh, in the graph that we saw earlier, the sudden dip from 25.3 million uh, to the uh, base traffic, that is 3 million, 4 million, uh, is very scary in the sense uh, you have to think from a, a developer perspective that when you are streaming video, you are making less number of API calls. You are just requesting your uh, video file, metadata file, and there will be like X number of API calls that you'll make while viewing a video. But when out of 25 million, let's say 90% of the users click your home button, now you are landing on the home page. And home page has many APIs. You have uh, your content platform APIs, you have your mastered APIs, uh, you have personalization engine, recommendation engine. Because it's a st uh, streaming app, you have personalized content and your watch history or your uh, favorite contents or recommended content will be different than mine. So uh, there is very limited scope to even catch those calls and most of this also comes to the backend. So and in an event like where you have 25 million people on your platform and suddenly all of them come to the homepage, uh, it's very scary because uh, it can kill the backend. Like if you have a content management system which is showing all the clips and the trailers or the metadata for it, uh, if that is not scaled up to handle a sudden uh, surge of request when people move from watching video to homepage, uh, your app can go down. So that's the other thing. And uh, it's a race against time because we are streaming this match live. Uh, cricket is being played in a, a stadium and uh, you have to stream it live to all the users. Uh, this is not a word content wherein you can uh, cast the content or apply some gimmicks uh, just to improve the experience. But everything needs to happen at that moment. Uh, you cannot wait for your capacity or EC2 to scale up. Uh, and then there are a bunch of other challenges as well. We'll look at it. So why is it like a race against time? Because we are looking at adding more than a million users every minute. And an application, it takes roughly around a minute to boot up. Uh, let's say you have to uh, add more capacity into your backend. Uh, if you take an example of simple EC2 machine, the moment you request an EC2 machine, it will take some time to uh, launch the server. Then the auto-scaling group will either attach it to a load balancer, then your health checks will pass. The, finally, the instance is healthy and will start serving traffic. So no matter how much you optimize, it will still take a minute or so. And by that time, if your uh, backend is not scaled up to handle that kind of load, or you don't have buffer, uh, you will add bottlenecks in your systems. Uh, your new users that are coming to your platform won't be able to uh, enjoy the game or have a good experience. Even the reaction time is very less for us, usually around 90 seconds, uh, before we may either make a scale-up decision or take a decision to degrade a particular service. And uh, push notification is, uh, so during a live match, if there are interesting moments wherein 
player is about to hit a century or someone is uh, hitting three sixes, the marketing team usually sends out notifications to a uh, user base of 100, 150, 200 million users. Even if we talk about a conversion of one or two percent, we are still talking about adding two to four million users in a very short span of time. So if the marketing team is sending a push notification out and my backend is not ready to uh, handle sudden uh, onboarding of two million, four million users, that can also like kill my platform or uh, degrade the customer experience in that moment. And we also use fully baked AMIs. Uh, even in container, we use uh, fully baked images, container images. This is because we don't have times to uh, use any configuration management tools like Chef, Puppet, or add any post boot up script because it adds delay to your scale up. Uh, we are talking about scaling from uh, 400 to 4,000 servers. Provisioning of th those many EC2 instances and then they are uh, server to become healthy, pass the health check, takes a time. In all this, if you add configuration management, it makes the matter even worse. And uh, these are a few of the reasons why we don't use the traditional auto scaling that AWS provides. Uh, so we, in the part where we operate, we see a lot of insufficient capacity errors, the eyes errors. So this is usually when you request a large amount of uh, compute capacity uh, and a particular instance type is not available either in one availability zone or in the entire region. So uh, in a live match, when I want to scale, my traffic is like uh, uh, getting greased and I want to scale. If there is no servers, uh, it's an issue for us, right? And uh, the other problems are, uh, so a single auto-scaling group, this is way before EC2 fleet and AWS auto-scaling came into picture. A single auto-scaling group only supports one instance type. Uh, like you can add one instance type in a launch configuration, attach it to a ASG. But what happens if that particular instance type is out of capacity? You have a live match going on. Now you want to scale up. But if you are limited by that capacity, uh, either you will choke or like bottleneck your backend instances, or it can even cause an outage. Uh, the third problem is the step size of ASG. So this is an interesting one, and usually uh, people who have worked at scale or you have a lot of traffic uh, coming and scaling requirements, uh, they will be able to relate with this. So what happens is when you increase the desired capacity in an ASG from 20 to 100, uh, AWS, like its internal algorithm, whatever the ASG has, tries to add few servers and tries to balance it out in all the availability zones. So it doesn't go from, let's say, 20 to 100 directly. It will first add 10 servers, like 20 to 30, 30 to 40. Uh, this is very slow. If we are talking about adding 10 or 50 servers, like a step size of 10 or 50, uh, scaling from 400 to 4,000, 5,000 servers can even take half an hour. In a live match, that is simply not acceptable. Even if we uh, engage with our TAMS account manager or the enterprise support and increase that limit, what happens is you are creating more problems. Because if you increase your step size to 100, 150, or whatever is the maximum limit, 
Now you're making more API calls. So these API calls are your describe EC2 instances, describe tag, add to load balancer. So all the API actions that goes in behind the scenes to launch a server and attach it to a load balancer consumes a control plane API, right? And there are limits to that, like how many calls you can make in a uh, minute. Uh, some of them are hard limits, and we have to operate within those boundaries. So simply increasing the step size to reduce the scale-up time is not an option because it adds more complexity. If your API calls are throttled, uh, your EC2 might not be able to read the described tags. Uh, if you have an application that reads something from your tags while booting up, that application might not even become healthy because now when it tried to make a describe API call, uh, it was throttled. And though you can add uh, retries and back off, uh, it makes the matter worse because it adds delay. When you want a server uh, to be available in less than two minutes, you cannot have complexities around that. And next one is uh, the same thing, retries and exponential backup. Uh, this happens with auto-scaling group as well. So what happens is, uh, I'll explain this and the game of availability zones together. So this is a reference to GOT because all of us at Hotstar are like huge fans of Game of Thrones. Uh, what happens is, uh, when you scale up your auto-scaling group, uh, let's say you increase your de desired capacity from 50 to 200, like I said, it tries to balance between availability zone. Let's say one of the availability zone doesn't have enough capacity. Uh, so you increase the capacity in AZ-1A. Let's take an example for uh, AP Southeast one. You have three availability zone, 1A, 1B, and 1C. Uh, you try to increase from 50 to 500. 1A is successful, 1B is successful. In 1C, uh, you got ice error, insufficient capacity. Now what will happen is, uh, since it tries to balance the capacity equally, even if there is no capacity available in 1C, it will still try in every attempt to launch servers there. And what happens is, if it's unsuccessful, it uh, increases the delay, the retries, uh, it increases your time. So earlier, for 1C, it will check every 30 seconds. If it fails four times, then it will try to uh, attempt to launch every one minute or five minutes. And we have seen sometimes it almost goes to 25 minutes for auto-scaling group to scale up if sufficient capacity is not available in one of the AZs. And uh, this is something that cannot be controlled uh, by a customer because this is an inbuilt algorithm. Uh, you can remove that subnet uh, to speed up the scaling, but all the healthy instances which were launched or are already serving traffic from the particular AZ. If you remove that subnet, those will also get terminated. And uh, again, like during a live match, doing this operation becomes very critical. So how we do scaling is uh, we pre-warm the infrastructure before the match starts. So that gives us ample time to uh, find out any issues or if there are any capacity-related uh, errors which we face while scaling. And uh, the normal uh, order scaling or the CloudWatch alarms that you can set up on top of ASG or your ELB usually uh, is like people do CPU-based scaling. But for us, CPU-based scaling uh, simply doesn't work. Uh, we do request-based scaling or our platform concurrency. So 
uh, application, like the CPU of an application can be at 70%, 80%, or even 85%. If that CPU usage is not hurting my customers or uh, impacting an increase in latency, uh, I should not be bothered to scale upon CPU. Like that will be a wrong metrics to scale upon. Uh, so instead, what we do is we find out what is the rated capacity of each application, how many requests it can handle, and basis that we take a decision: uh, how many number of servers or how many pods we need to uh, sustain or like handle a current uh, platform concurrency. So platform concurrency is total number of active users watching video on the uh, your platform. So we have a ladder, we have a grid that at each concurrency, like at, let's say at 5 million, 10 million, application A will have 10 servers, application B will have 20 servers. So we have the entire matrix. And uh, then we have our own automated scaling. So whenever a platform concurrency reaches a particular number, it automatically scales up all the application. And for, uh, you can say a backup option, we also have request count based scaling. So let's say the platform concurrency is at 5 million, and uh, suddenly an application due to some error or misconfiguration is uh, getting more requests than expect expected. So what happens in that case is the request scaling triggers, and it will automatically rescale the app to the uh, best possible value, taking into account what is the current request rate that the application is handling. And all of this is automated, no human intervention. We also use EC2 Spotlight because uh, this is to uh, overcome the challenges of single instance type. Because if you can use EC2 Spotlight, uh, what you can do is you can diversify your instance type. A single Spotlight can support up to 50 different instance type. So we use around six, seven of them uh, spread across multiple availability zones. So that gives us more number of options to get the compute capacity that we require. And uh, if you were uh, in this room before uh, my session, uh, there was a good talk on chaos engineering. And uh, these are a few of the ingredients that can cause an actual chaos uh, at Hotstar. So one is post notification, we already spoke about it, how the marketing sends a bulk notification to 150, 200 million users. And if my platform is not uh, scaled up to handle that kind of search, uh, it can bring an outage or like it can cause a uh, disruption in one of the service. Tsunami traffic is the chart that we saw in the first slide, the sudden spike and the sudden drop. Uh, if you're not scaled up for such events or you're not expecting uh, such a harsh spike uh, that can cause a bottleneck uh, at any level, your cache level, your data store levels. Uh, next one is delayed scale-up due to any reason, like capacity not being available or uh, let's say uh, health checks are taking more time. If the scale-up has even one minute or a two minute delay, it adds a lot of load on the existing servers that are serving the traffic. If, uh, let's say, 100 servers are serving application A, and but the need is 150 servers. If those 50 servers are not provisioned within a time of two or three minutes, uh, then it adds more load on the 100 existing servers. And they might even start throwing 5xx errors if, like, the backend is uh, over capacity. 
We also have to deal with the bandwidth constraint, both in terms of API and uh, video bandwidth, because uh, this is something that you cannot auto-scale. This is like uh, physical infrastructure, right? Uh, CDN providers or the uh, ISPs that the users are uh, watching the match from, uh, these are hardwire fiber optics or your uh, internet wires, which cannot scale up. Like we already uh, saw that we consume more than 10 uh, terabytes of bandwidth. If there is a need to use more of that, and uh, if our partners or like any CDN provider is unable to uh, use that thing uh, or provide more bandwidth, then we are limited by that number. So what we have to do is then we have to think a different approach wherein you ha have to see what available bandwidth you have and how best you can accommodate or serve more users. Increased latency adds a cascading effect uh, throughout the app. So let's say you're one of the application content platform has an increased API latency. Uh, and there are other applications like recommendation engine or personalization engine, which depends on input from content platform. They will also see a spike in their latency. And these applications are part of your homepage uh, calls or your, when you open an app, these are the API, API calls that uh, you trigger. So what happens if uh, your application startup time will increase. When user clicks on your app, it will take time to open. Then they click a video or they move to a different page that will take time to load. So even a small increase somewhere in the system has a cascading effect throughout the application. And uh, through all this game days and uh, chaos engineering that we do to make our platform resilient, these are few of the things that we usually look for. Uh, what is the breaking point of each system? So you have to think of it from this way that uh, when you open an app, you need to understand the user journey, uh, wherein you have a home page. what are the different API calls you will make. If a user clicks on a login or a sign up button, what are the API calls that it will make? If you understand the user journey of, uh, your user journey of an application or a website, you can then uh, think from the uh, chaos point of view, what are the bottlenecks and what are the layers where uh, problem can occur? What is the breaking point of each system? Uh, because you will then get, okay, application A can only support, let's say 50,000 requests per second. So if I'm reaching around 35,000 or 40,000, I'll try to either offload or put that application in panic, thereby reducing the load or have some buffer scale up in advance. Those are the tricks that you can apply if you know the breaking point of each system. Death wave is the sudden spike that we saw in the first graph. Uh, this can really bring down your platform if you are not scaled up for it. And uh, the other things that we try to find out is bottlenecks and choke points. This can be at any layer. This can be at ELB level, your RDS, DynamoDB, whether you have proper limit set, whether they are scaled up for peak, because uh, EC2 and all, you can scale on the fly, right? You can increase the capacity. But think of elastic cache, RDS. Uh, these are not that elastic. Like you cannot scale them up and down multiple times in three or four hours. And uh, in few of these operations, there is also a 
downtime associated if it tries to switch the DNS endpoint. It's like very small downtime, but still uh, it's very noticeable at our scale. And uh, then we also uh, try to find out hidden patterns because uh, when you do a normal load test, let's say for 10 user, 10,000 user, you might not uh, discover some of these issues. Some of the issues are only associated with scale. So unless you load test for 10 million, 20 million, a few of the problems never occur. Uh, you will not see them in a normal load testing or any kind of uh, performance test that you do. So some of these are like from the issues that we have faced in the past, we try to mimic them again and uh, the failures can occur at any level, your network level and application level. So we try to look at breaking point of all, single point of failure as well as uh, if an application has a maximum rated limit which it can operate at. Uh, the other thing about uh, chaos is, uh, we also look for things like wherein an application is about to reach its rated capacity, we try to cut off or reduce the load. Uh, we do this using panic mode, which we'll, I'll talk about more. And uh, yeah, this one. So panic mode is uh, something wherein, because all this action has to be taken uh, live in the, while the game is going on. You don't have like 15 or 20 minutes to troubleshoot an issue, fix the problem. So what we do is we rely heavily on panic mode. Uh, what this does is it, uh, so the goals are your P0 services should always be up. So for us, the P0s are uh, streaming video, uh, advertisement, payment, subscriptions. So all these are critical services. Um, so what we do is if there is a limited number of uh, API calls or we are limited by API traffic that can go in, uh, we turn off non-critical services, which are not essential in that moment. If 99% uh, of our traffic, 99% of the users are watching cricket match, uh, then there is, in that moment, there is no need to show uh, recommendation or personalization content, because you know that, okay, majority of your users are only gonna watch cricket. So you turn off those services temporary, uh, by may, uh, temporarily and make room for uh, the core services so that they can scale up more. And uh, another th thing that we do is uh, graceful degradation. So what we do is at every ladder, like at 10 million, 15 million, we have a bunch of action. We gracefully degrade certain services to make room for critical services. And this is both client side and backend level. So uh, clients are intelligent enough to understand that, okay, a service is in panic. So it doesn't send requests to them. Mostly we serve a panic JSON through which um, the client Android iOS application understand that, okay, certain application is in, now in panic mode. So they won't make a call and they won't even show an error to a user because you don't want to uh, spoil the customer experience. You want to degrade gracefully because uh, without uh, showing error message to your end users. And uh, Turning off critical services, we do it in a orderly fashion uh, at every 10 million, 15 million. Um, so I'll give you a practical example. Let's say you have a user uh, logging system, right? And uh, 
logging management system, you enter your username password. Let's say uh, your RDS, which is now supporting that application, is down for some X reason. You don't want to show user that, okay, uh, database error or unable to connect to a database or timeout error. Instead, you allow, you put the application into panic. You will now allow user to watch your content or like log into your platform without even using the login system. So the, as a customer, you come to the platform to watch uh, cricket or any videos, right? You, uh, your experience should not uh, be degraded in any way. Similarly for uh, a payment application, if you have a subscription service and you want to uh, due to like an error at maybe elastic cash or database you are not able to complete the transaction instead of showing a, a payment failure you can do a, a batch reprocessing in the backend uh, and allow the user to watch the content at that time you can like figure out in the backend if it was generally a case of error or uh, uh, like at your end or the payment gateway level, or it was something at user level. But in the spirit of the game and in the interest of the customer who came to the platform, we apply this uh, uh, panic mode, especially when we are serving to more than 20 million users uh, to improve the customer experience. And these are the few of the Key takeaways. So always prepare for failures. Uh, load testing and chaos engineering can help undiscover all those uh, issues and help you prepare better. Uh, understand your user journey. This is very important because once you know the flow of traffic request, once you know that, okay, when a user clicks a home button or uh, opens your app, what are the bunch of API calls that he will make? You can design your system. You can uh, scale your application well in advance. It will give you uh, an insight into uh, how much will tapping a home button cost me, like in terms of capacity required and uh, the pre-bombing required and the limits that needs to be scaled. Uh, it makes you more prepared for a tsunami or a surge. And it's OK to degrade gracefully. Uh, like I gave the example of the login system and the payment system, uh, it's OK to degrade temporarily, then showing error. Once your problem is fixed, you can re-enable those applications for the customers. Cool. That's all I had for today.